Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 48 of Revelation chapter 14. And we're reading Revelation 14, verse 18. And it says in that verse, And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And we know that the angel or messenger is Christ. The one with the sharp sickle is Christ. And the command to thrust in thy sharp sickle is to send in thy sickle, or send in the reapers, which would be the people of God, and and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And last time we were looking at uh, clusters in a couple of verses, and also vine. And we saw that the Bible says in John 15, 1, Of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am the true vine. But we also went to Deuteronomy 32, and verse 32, which says, For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. And this has to do with not... Um, true believers and and not those of the true vine but another vine and uh, and and in Deuteronomy God is um, pronouncing judgments against those who worship other gods the people of Israel that ought to know better and and so much of that language has to do with God's judgment on the churches who develop another kind of a gospel another Christ or another vine, but it's not the true vine. It, it's a vine that um, is is of Sodom and uh, it, of the fields of Gomorrah, and, and therefore their clusters are bitter. They're not good fruit, but bad fruit. Well, we, uh, we um, are a little... Um, Curious as to why God is using this kind of language to speak of the unsafe people of the earth. And it, 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 it's crystal clear, Revelation 14, in this passage of harvest, is describing judgment of the world, of all unsaved people. And yet we're not too uh, accustomed to God using the language that that uh, He's gathering the vine of the earth, and and uh, and and the or the clusters of the vine of the earth, and in the next verse it says He gathered the vine of the earth and cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. That's how we can be sure that it's not the elect that are in view, but it is the unsaved. It 
It, it is a language of the final judgment. Now, uh, in Joel chapter 3, the Old Testament book of Joel, we find um, a passage that is very similar, very close uh, to what we're reading in Revelation 14. And it says in Joel 3, verse 12, Let the heathen, or the nations, be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat means uh, Jehovah Judge. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Just as we read earlier in Revelation 14, verses 14 and 15, that the Son of Man is sitting upon the clouds as he comes to judge the nations of the world. Well, then in verse 13, Put ye in the sickle, exactly the the command that we've seen a couple of times in Revelation 14, thrust in thy sickle. Well, here in Joel 3.13, put ye in the sickle. And likewise, the Old Testament word for put ye here is uh, also translated as send. Um, for instance, it's the same word that's used in Isaiah 6, verse 8. Here I am, send me, Isaiah said. And 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 so send in the sickle, in Joel 3.13, for the harvest is ripe, come, get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow. And, and that would be the wine fats, the wine press, just as in, uh, again, our passage, what happens? Well, the, the uh, unsaved or tread underfoot, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blood came out of the wine press. Why did it come out? It was overflowing, and and that's exactly the condition here. the The press is full, the fats overflow. I mean, once we think that there is about seven billion people in the world or more that are being judged. And, and under the wrath of God, and yes, there's tens of millions that God has saved, but the, but the tremendous number of un, of people in the world are unsaved, and therefore are being trodden in the winepress of the wrath of God. So, certainly we can see why the press is full, the fats overflow, the blood is coming out of the winepress, flowing forth, in uh, Revelation 14 for a space of 1,600 furlongs. And then it says, For the day of Jehovah is near, or, or excuse me, uh, back to the, ver- the end of verse 13, The press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. And again, um, it, it is speaking of unsaved people being crushed in God's winepress of his wrath. It's um, the anger of God, the law of God demands satisfaction, and it's the day of vengeance where the law is exacting revenge and and exacting uh, its due 
for all of mankind's transgressions against it. Well, Joel 3.13 helps us. We, we can be sure that even though the language is um, something we're not all that familiar with, uh, that, that God is viewing the whole earth as though uh, it was a vine and and um as though it brought forth and and yet the fruit it brought forth was cast into the wine press indicating it also was not good fruit just as the harvest of the earth in the church withered away well now uh, outside of the church this vine and its clusters of grapes are are also under the wrath of God. Now, one way or one possible reason that God is speaking of, a, of the clusters of the vine of the earth and her grapes, I think has to do with the fact that God's final program, his um, climactic program uh, of evangelization, was carried out outside of the churches and congregations of the world. Remember the Holy Spirit early on at the very beginning of the Great Tribulation, May 21, 1988, left all churches, and and so their harvest was ruined throughout the Great Tribulation, and finally at the end, they were all bundled as tares for the burning. But, however, during the second part of the Great Tribulation, God was sending forth the latter rain, falling outside of the churches in the world. And, and, and so, uh, if the rain is falling in the world, and the rain did bring forth its fruit, God saved a great multitude out of Great Tribulation over the the about last seventeen years of that Great Tribulation period, and 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 so there is language of harvest, but that's the good fruit, the the ones that God saved. Yet the whole world practically heard the message that they therefore uh, had the rain fall upon them. They also had this the seed sown in their hearts of the word of God. And and actually it was um, such a tremendous uh, sowing program that uh, never before in the history of the world had so much seed, spiritual seed, been sown in the world. They had never experienced anything like it. And, and so the word of God went forth in an unparalleled manner, and into the nations of the world, judgment was put before their eyes, and the message of the Bible's appointed day, which also indicated there's a judge, God the judge, that were sinners worthy to be judged. And the implication also was there that since God was warning that um, there was a gracious and merciful God who could be sought for uh, uh, before the decree, before the day passes the chaff, 
and all that was implied in the message of May 21, 2011, Judgment Day. And, and so the rain fell, the seed was sown, and God did save his people. But what about all the rest? What about all the others who heard, many of them for the first time ever, they heard the gospel message, they heard the uh, news coming forth from the word of God, they were warned, yet they did not take warning, yet they did not repent, they did not turn to God, they did not cry out for mercy, they did not seek the Lord while he might have been found. And, and instead they went on with their lives that, that describes what took place with the overwhelming majority of people in the world. Well, it, it could be, and I think that's what's happening here, that God is looking at them as a harvest that went awry, a harvest that is of no use, no good. Uh, the seed was sown. The rain fell, but it produced no precious fruit. Therefore, let's gather the clusters of the vine of the earth and cast it into the winepress of the wrath of God. And and uh, I, I think that's the general idea here. Now, in Deuteronomy 32.32, where it spoke of their vine is the vine of Sodom, well, there's another verse, because Deuteronomy 32, I think, is mostly describing God's judgment on the churches. But in another place, in Isaiah 24, we read of a vine. And Isaiah 24 is a special chapter in the Bible where God has uh, focused completely upon the judgment on the world, just as we can turn to many chapters in Jeremiah, and we can read of God's judgment on Judea or Jerusalem, and and it is uh, language that concentrates on the judgment beginning at the house of God, and and we don't really read too much about the judgment on the world. Well, Isaiah 24 is the reverse of that. It is intense concentration of judgment on the world and not on the church. And the word earth is used many times. World is used. Um, and we read in Isaiah 24, in verses 6 and 7, Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. Now that is speaking of God's spiritual judgment coming on the world, the inhabitants of the earth. Remember what the last verse of Revelation 8 said, Woe, 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 the three woes, to the inhabitants of the earth. It's a key phrase indicating the time of transition from judging the church to judging the world. Well, here too, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left because the elect are still living on the earth during the time of judgment. 
and and so all of the unsaved are as burned their their judgment came uh once God shut the door of heaven yet at the same time the elect are are not burned we're we're not destroyed by that action of uh, the door of heaven shutting because God has already saved his people then it says in verse 7 the new wine mourneth the vine languisheth all the merry-hearted do sigh now here in the context of the judgment of God on the earth the vine languisheth what does that mean for the vine to languish well languish or languisheth is defined for us in Jeremiah 14 and again here in Jeremiah 14 we're going to read of God's judgment on the church but uh, it will help us to understand what to languish means in Jeremiah 14 verse 1 the word of Jehovah that came to Jeremiah concerning the dearth Judah mourneth and the gates thereof languish they're black unto the ground and the cry of Jerusalem is gone up and their nobles have sent their little ones to the waters they came to the pits and found no water they returned with their vessels empty they were ashamed and confounded and covered their heads because the ground is chapped for there was no rain in the earth the plowmen were ashamed they covered their heads and and then it goes on with the uh, more and more ugly language of a dearth and the fact there's no water which points to no gospel in the church during the time when God's judgment is upon the churches and congregations and and the gates of Jerusalem languish at that time it's it's pointing to the fact that there's no salvation well the new wine mourneth the vine languisheth all the merry hearted do sigh and I think that's a reference to the true believers it, it, no child of God is happy uh, or joyous that God has ended his salvation program remember God says there joy, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents well now there's no joy in heaven now there's no joy amongst God's people and just as God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked and and that's what is happening right now right before our eyes God is slaying the wicked he is killing them with death and if God takes no pleasure you can be certain the people of God take no pleasure in this judgment in um, the death of the wicked we would as it says in Luke 16 uh, concerning those who who are associated with with Lazarus in Abraham's bosom and when when the rich man in hell requests a drop of water the part of the response is they which would come from hence to you cannot and in that word would expresses a desire or a will and certainly 
Yes, we would. It is our desire. We uh, thoroughly enjoyed, and and uh, it, it was one of the greatest blessings uh, imaginable to go forth with the gospel to bring water to thirsty souls, to go in obedience of Christ's command into the world, and for God to find his elect through the efforts of his people and moving them and willing them to do of his good pleasure. And that is God's good pleasure to save. Uh, that That's why he predestinated and elected people uh, chosen according to the good pleasure of God. And, and God's people take pleasure in that activity but we take no pleasure here. That's why all the merry-hearted do sigh. The gospel that we proclaim is bitter water, and, and, and yet we must obey God, who commands us to feed sheep, who commands us to prophesy again, and, and, and to warn uh, or to declare these things to the nations concerning Babylon's fall, and so forth. Well, now, in Joel, just to get a, a little bit clearer picture of what languish means, again in Joel, but this time chapter 1, it says, beginning in verse 10, The field is wasted, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, how, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished, the vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. It's not a pleasant thing at all. And, and uh, in Joel 1, again it's describing the judgment of God upon the churches and congregations of the world during the Great Tribulation. But it's the same cup of wrath. And now the judgment is on the world, and the vine languishes. The The harvest is complete. There is no more harvest. There is no more people to become saved. And so... God uses this picture uh, to describe what he is doing to the the earth, the vine of the earth, as it says in Revelation 14, 19. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And again, the vine of the earth is thrown into the winepress. And we see in Revelation 19 that the Lord Jesus, in the day of judgment, it says in verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath, of Almighty God. You see, uh, there again, it's confirmation that Christ is 
smiting the nations. It's the unsafe people of the world, and that's tied to treading the winepress of the wrath of God. And I, I, I think it's certain, there's no doubt, that this vine of the earth and, and the cluster of grapes that are fully ripe uh, are picturing all the unsaved people of the world that were created in the image of God, that God sent forth latter rain and and it fell upon them, and yet they did not come forth as the precious fruit. And, and then the time was done. The rain stopped falling on May 21, 2011, and now it's time to destroy this harvest of these cluster of grapes, to tread them underfoot, and, and to um, punish them for their sin. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.